Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. And then to each of you, it's such a privilege to meet with you in your home this morning. We're so excited to share a word that I believe God has laid on our lives, on, our, on my heart for you today. And without laboring a point too much, I think it's difficult to get away from our current circumstances. And we have a situation where everybody talks about a new normal. And COVID has forced the world into looking at the world in a new way. We've been forced into a situation where we consider the way we behave and the way we act towards each other, and we are forced to do things differently. But I want to ask the question today, are we, as children of God, called to a new normal or to a new beginning? Is it possible that God has hit the reset button? And so, as we move to different lockdown levels and the restrictions begin to be eased and we get more of our freedoms and our rights, to a normal life, people are starting to look at a post-lockdown, post-COVID-19 future. And so I want to ask you today, what is your, your vision, your, your hope for, for a post-lockdown? Is it for job security? Is it for new customers? Is it, or should we as Christians not be saying, is it living in the fullness of the promises of God? And for many, many folk are not able to consider a future of any sort yet. The lockdown and COVID-19 has been a very painful reality to many of you. And for many people around the world. And for many folk has dealt a heavy blow. So I guess to consider a new normal, you have to take stock of where you currently are. What's your current situation? For those who haven't been struck by the virus, it's very difficult to understand the impact it has on your life. Speaking to a friend of mine the other day, he says that while in ICU, he had to make the choice every day to live or to die. And each day he had to fight to live. And so we don't understand that if you haven't been there. But for those of you who have been there, it's... A very real reality. And then for some of us and for many people out there are going to be looking at Christmas with a sense of pain and anguish because there's going to be a vacant seat. They will have lost loved ones. Um, the Christmas table is not going to be the same. Some will look at Christmas and think how am I going to make it possible because our money is running out. Yet for others, we might be sitting there thinking, or they might be there not even contemplating Christmas because they don't know if they're going to have a roof over their head come Christmas time. The realities of this virus, of this COVID-19, of this lockdown are extreme for so many people and not to be taken lightly. And so we're a people in transition. We're a people faced with change. And... As I reflected on this, God led me to the people of Israel who had the same situations. They went through change. They went through transition constantly. 
And so in Deuteronomy chapter 33 from verse 26, we see this point where the people of Israel get to the point where they just the journey in the promised land has come to an end. And they are about through the wilderness, and they've come through the wilderness, and they're faced with the promised land before them. And so at this point, God calls Moses, and if you go read in chapter 32, God says to Moses, you won't be going into the promised land. So this is your last chance to speak to your people. And Moses then speaks to the people before God takes him in the next chapter and shows him the promised land that lies ahead. And so I want to read for you from Deuteronomy chapter 33 from verse 26. It says, there is none like the God of Jerusalem who rides the heavens to, you, to your aid on the clouds of his majesty. The God of old is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He drives out the enemy before you and commands, destroy. So Israel dwells securely. Jacob lives untroubled in a land of grain and new wine. Even his skies drip with dew. How happy you are, Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? He is the shield that protects you and the sword you boast in. Your enemies will cringe before you and you will tread on their backs. And so bearing in mind, this is Moses' last address to the people that is led for 40 years. He knows he's not going into the promised land. But the people that he's talking to and are faced with the promised, promised land. And so, there's two things that come, or there's a couple of points that come to mind here. And the first is that these people are no longer a nomadic people. Through the wilderness, they've been traveling. They haven't had a place to set up their, a place of their own. They've, they have no place to, to, to sow a seed that can grow. They have no fixed address. They have no fixed abode. They're permanently on the move. And they're permanently facing challenges in the wilderness, in the desert, and nothing is stable. And suddenly they get to the point where they, have, they can see the promised land that they've journeyed for 40 years to get to. And in verse 26, Moses says to them, There is none like the God of... Jeshurun. The God of Jeshurun relates to a chosen people. It's not everybody's God. It's the upright people. And so he said to them, your God, the God of the upright people, the God of the holy nation, there is none like him who rides on the heavens to aid you on the clouds of his majesty. And he was talking quite literally there because in the beginning when God called Moses to lead his people, he said to him, I'll send my angels with you. And Moses said to him, no, I'm not going anywhere unless you yourself go with me. And God said to him, no problem. I'll journey with you. And then he said, I'll send a cloud to cover you from the elements during the day. And he says, and God rode on the clouds to be with you every day through your journey for 40 years to bring you to this promised land. So no matter what your circumstances are, acknowledge God in all things. 
even in the pain, in the pain of your circumstances, praise him even when it's difficult. And this morning I want to share with you a very personal testimony. Last year, we went through as a family a very tough time with Amanda's health. And man, it, it tested us to the nth degree. And there was a, a particular evening where I found my daughter in the UK and I said, this is a crisis of faith for me. Amanda was in severe pain. Nothing helped. We didn't know what to do. We had prayed. We had done everything we possibly could. And sleep was little and it was a huge struggle. And the next morning I was up as I, do, as I am early and the only thing that I could do the only thing, as I tried to speak to God, and in, in my anger, in my pain, and my, my anguish, the only thing that came in was to raise a hallelujah. Amen. To raise a hallelujah. And that morning, I, I came to church. Um, I had planned to be late. Because I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to explain my situation to anybody. I wanted to walk in as the worship started. But God had a different plan. And I got there. A couple of minutes early anyway. But in that worship session that morning, God touched my heart. God softened my heart to the point that he broke me. He, he changed my perspective on him. I was going to leave after the worship, but as God has, he has a different way of doing things. And I stayed. And the message that day just shat, spoke to me in a way that I couldn't believe. But anyway, that, that day was the turning point in Amanda's health. And it all started with praising. It all started with just in, in the circumstances when everything else is bleak, is to be to acknowledge God. And this is interesting because Moses starts by acknowledging God in his circumstances, even though he's been told he will not be going into the promised land. And then to recognize God's hand in all things. You can only do this when you focus on who God is and not what he's giving you. He's your heavenly helper. He's majestic and he's splendid. Even when you're surrounded by the storm clouds, God rides on the clouds. Even when you can't see him, he's in control. And no matter how dark and how gloomy, he's present because he, uh, he left heaven. To be with you in the storm. And then in verse 27 he goes on to say. The God of old. Your dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He drives out the enemy before you. And commands destroy. I want to tell you that today. When Jesus left the cross. He went into the depths of hell. To break open the gates of hell. That his arms even will get you. No matter how low you get. You cannot escape his clutches today. He drives out the enemy before you and commands you to destroy them. God is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forevermore. He is your dwelling place. He is your place of rest. He is your place of refuge. There is nowhere you can go where you can escape him. There is nothing that life can throw at you that God cannot get you through. It doesn't matter whether it's this virus, whether it's employment, whether it's the economy. God can get you through this.
He drives out your enemies. He gives you the ability to destroy and to rise above them. And man, as I was reflecting on this, I remembered the story of David, who when he, he went and he slayed Goliath with a couple of stones. When he was finished, he took Goliath's own sword. And he, he took off his head. And he took his head home as a trophy. And God is saying to us to destroy. Take those things that hold you captive. Take those enemies that frighten you. Take those things. Go and destroy them and take them captive. Your enemy has your sword. Your enemy has your acceleration. Your enemy has your provision. And then he says in verse 28, So Israel dwells securely. Jacob lives untroubled in a land of grain and new wine. Even his skies drip anew, drip with dew. And so uh, in the first two verses, he's saying to them what God has done for them before. And then in verse 28, he changes and he says to them what's going to happen in the promised land. He says, in the promised land you will dwell securely. Jacob lives untroubled in a land of grain because they are descendants of Jacob. And they drank from the well of Jacob on their way. Even the skies drip with dew. <coughs> yeah, in this verse, he speaks of the promised land. The struggle is over. The struggle of journeying, the nomadic life of getting to the place where they wanted to be is over. The wilderness is left behind. Where you will live securely in the promised land. You will live untroubled in a fertile land with all the provision. When they were told about the promised land, Moses spoke to them about the land of milk and honey that was brimming with provision. But I wanted you to watch this today. When he tells them now that they're going to the, trouble, to the promised land, he says to them, Jacob lives untroubled in a land of grain and new wine. He's talking about Jesus. Because the elements that Jesus left for us was bread and wine. When Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit, he spoke about the new wine in old wineskins and making place for the new wine. And yet Jacob says to him, there where Jesus is, is the promised land. The elements of this, the new wine being, sorry, even the skies drip with dew. He will nurture every seed you sow in the promised land. These people in the wilderness had no place to sow a seed. They had no place to harvest the seed that they had sown. And now they are being given fertile land to, to sow a seed. And God is saying, whatever seed you sow there, I will nurture with my provision. Then in verse 29, he says, how happy you are, Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? He is the shield that protects you, the sword you boast in. Your enemies will cringe before you, and you'll tread on their backs. How happy you are. As I move around and I speak to people today, there seems to be a distinct lack of happiness. Somebody has come and stolen their joy. A virus has stolen their joy. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And peace or happiness. 
Jesus in John 10 verse 10 says, A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. And today I want you to use that passage as your weight or your measure each morning. When you get up, it's to say, what has the devil stolen from me today? What has Jesus offered me that I'm not accepting, that I haven't got today? And to go after and claim your provision in Jesus' name. Because you see, even in the midst of a pandemic, in the, even in the midst of an economic crisis, Jesus has, God has promised to be our shield that protects us and the sword that we boast in. Just as David slayed, took Goliath's head off with his own sword, God gives us the sword to slay our enemies. It is with God's sword that we'll boast in his, in his protection. But your victory is secured in God. It doesn't mean it's not going to come without any effort. But your enemies will cringe before you. And right now, as I look around the world, I don't see too many people standing up and fighting the battle for God. And as I reflect back on the people of Israel and where they came from, to this point where they're about to go into the promised land, first, if you remember correctly, they were in slavery, they were in bondage in, in Egypt, and they cried out as a collective. They cried it as a community, and they said, God, help us. God heard, him and God heard them, and he stepped in. But here's the thing that strikes me throughout the passage of their journey to the promised land, that each time things got difficult. Each time when they were hungry, when they were thirsty, when they were tired, when they saw the enemy in the distance, they cried out, why did you bring me to this place to die? Life was better in slavery. Life was better in captivity. You see, because being in captivity is more predictable. It's more manageable. It might not be nice, but I know what I've got. I know what I'm getting. I know there's a plate of food. And so, as I speak to people who have lost their jobs, all they want is their job back, even though it wasn't the job they wanted. But they want the security of a check. So right now where God is offering a new beginning, people are looking for that which they knew. God doesn't set you free from slavery for you to run back to that which is known. I know of people who have given up smoking for years. But because of the pressure of their circumstances, they've, run, they've chosen to start smoking again. Or whatever that is that kept them in slavery. Whatever that is that kept them bound to that which is not from God. People have taken up those things. But God has not set you free from slavery for you to turn back to that which, you, which has held you captive. 
Jesus said in Luke 4 verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free the oppressed. To preach good news to the poor. It is not those that are in poverty. It is those who are poor in spirit. Those who look around them and cannot find God in their circumstances. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives. Those who are bound in sin. Those who are bound in fear. God, Jesus said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Those who live with a spirit of poverty. Those who live with insecurity and anxiety and, and depression. God has come to set, Jesus came to set them free. That was his mission. And he said, and to freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. That's not necessarily those who are physically blind, but those who are spiritually blind. Even God's own chosen people at the time chose not to see him as the Messiah. So despite their relationship, despite their journey with God to a promised land, they didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah because they were looking for something different. And even today, even as Christians, we possibly are looking for something different than to who Christ is and what God intended for us. You see, the Romans had oppressed the Jews at the time when Jesus came. But Jesus didn't come to fight the political fight. He didn't come to bring an army to overthrow an, ar an unjust regime. He came to set the, peop the, the, the people free from themselves so that they can stand up to fight the oppressive regimes, to give them the courage, and to set free the oppressed. We need to pray that God will open our eyes, because more and more I hear people saying, where's God amidst the virus? Where's God in the chaos? Where's God in, in this mess? Where's your Jesus when you need him? Why isn't he stepping up to the plate? But he is. If you go back into Exodus, when Pharaoh refused to let the people go, God said to him, I will use your stubbornness to reveal my glory. And throughout COVID-19, throughout the economic collapse, God's glory will be revealed. Because if you look around you, what is happening is there's a spiritual awakening People are becoming aware of the forces of good and evil. They, people are becoming, more and more people are standing up and saying, I need God because I can't anymore. And so today as we journey towards the promised land, I want to speak to those people who may be stuck in slavery today. Those who might be in captivity if you are bound by a spirit of fear, and now I just want to say that there's a healthy fear and there's an unhealthy fear. There's a fight or flight mode. And so 
if you're crossing a road and you see a car coming to you, it is okay to be afraid and get out the way. Okay, that's common sense. But if your fear says stay at home because there might be a car that's going to come down the road and might hit me, that is not healthy. So when we leave home, we are aware that there's a virus that might get to us. But it doesn't mean we don't leave home because there's a virus. For those of us who have a poverty of spirit, it's not a lack of money, but it's a, it's a an inability to see how we'll make things change. For those who are suffering with insecurity, anxiety, and depression, I want to pray for you right now. So there where you are, in your home, in your lounge, I want you to put your hand on your heart. Father God, you, you have said, Lord, that you have come to set the captives free. Father God, we claim your freedom right now for each of these people. Father God, there where a spirit of fear has taken, taken, taken grip, or a spirit of poverty, Lord Jesus, or spirit of insecurity, Lord Jesus, we pray that right now with you, through your Holy Spirit, you would break the chains that hold them, Lord, that grip them. That, Father God, that you would release them from anything that keeps them captive. Father God, that you would open their eyes, Lord, that they would see your provision. That they see you just as the servant of Elisha looked to the mountains and saw your army surrounding them. Father God, we pray, Lord, that you just set them free from all that keeps them back from experiencing you in all its fullness. Lord Jesus, let's set them free to experience the fullness of life, the abundance that you brought us, Lord. Father Lord, we pray that you just release each one of those spirits now, each one of those people from that which holds them back in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Then, as these people journeyed through the wilderness towards the, the promised land. I, I've come to realize that these people lived with a dual citizenship. One leg in the world and one leg in pursuit of the promised land. But just as Apostle Hannah shared earlier, you cannot serve two gods. You can't be in pursuit of the joys and the pleasures of the world. Yet seek God's blessing in the promised land. Because there where you sow your seed, sowing seeds in the wilderness is going to need you to spend time and effort investing in growing in that which you've invested in the world. To the neglect of that which God gives you in the fertile land, in the promised land. So you can't serve God with a split loyalty. You can't be in the world and in the promised land. But Jesus said we can be in the world but not of the world. You see, and the other yeah, choice is that we're faced with is it takes as much effort to decide to follow a new normal that the world is going to give us. Or to pursue a life in the promised land. So whichever one you choose today, you will have. Whichever choice you make, that's the result you will get. 
In the promised land, we have community. We have communion with God. We have provision with God. We have health. We have all that He's promised us. A new normal that the world gives us is one of isolation, one of insecurity, one of having to restructure the way we've done things in order to stay safe. And yeah, we've been promised that God is our security in the promised land. So which one will you choose today? There where God's victory is assured or where there's an unfaced, uncertain future of a vaccine that might come? Are we looking to live in the promised land or are we waiting for the world to provide a vaccine against something that frightens us? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you go into Joshua and you're reading chapter 3, the only way they got into the promised land... was that God parted the waters for them. God had to separate the waters for them to get into the promised land. And then, why? And because that's what God does. He has revealed himself in power and in might to get them into the promised land. And God will reveal himself in his power and his might in your circumstances now to accelerate you into the promised land. But once you're in the promised land, there's no bridge to get back to be in the world. So once you make the choice to follow Jesus, once you make the choice to live in the promised land, there's no coming back from there. But the choice is yours to make today. Are we going to follow the world's idea of a new normal? Or are we going to follow God's idea of a new normal? One where there's protection, provision, security, where we have all of who God is. In Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39, Apostle Paul writes, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep yet to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will have the power to separ separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there is an evidence of a man who's living in the promised land, who's living with the fullness of everything that God has provided for him, that nothing can separate us from the, the love of God, the provision of God, the protection of God, and that the choices we make, we choose life. Because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, and life in all its fullness. Your choice today to make is, do I choose life in its fullness? Or do I choose to allow the enemy to continue to steal from me? Total freedom, freedom is found in total surrender to God. So today I want to pray for you as we close. That you would have the courage to choose God. Even in the midst of the challenges. That you would know that... No matter how painful, 
no matter what our circumstances, God has you in his, everlast, in his everlasting arms. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that we can come into your presence today, Father God, that you put before us a choice. Where we can choose life and life in all its fullness. Or we can choose the way of the world, which is the way of death, a day of fear. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that in all that we have, Father God, you are faithful. That all the promises of old, Lord, are ours to, to inherit, to, to appropriate for ourselves, Lord Jesus. Father God, give us the strength to face up to our challenges that lie ahead. Knowing, Father God, that you go with us. That a life with you is not necessarily a life without challenges. But it's a life with victory. A life in fullness. And Father God, we thank you that we can come to you and surrender everything, Lord, to you that we, in the way that we know it. Everything that we, that we have, we lay it at your feet because you will reward us with a life in all its fullness. Father, we thank you for your, for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that by grace, Lord, we have access to all of, all of who you are. That we live in your kingdom in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.